I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything. Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Oh man, here we are again, back for another thrilling episode of John Helps You Write Better. Hi, I'm John. Let's write better. And today I want to address one person. One person who has been um, deeply persistent, let's say, in emailing me and asking a question. Now, I'm sure that they're not the only person thinking this question, but they are the only person who has asked me this question. And I know they asked for it to be a question on the Wednesday night chat. But uh, I think instead what I want to do today is uh, answer this question here just for them and, you know, sort of have an impromptu answerable moment. Because it's not a bad question. I want to make that clear first. You're not a bad, you're not bad or wrong for asking it. And it's not a bad or wrong question by itself. What I I do want to make clear what's important to know is that uh, it's not a very great chat question. And primarily that's just because of how you asked it and, I mean, like how you frame the question. And I think the idea you're asking about is just easier if I sit down and walk all the way through it. And I can do that on a podcast without having to worry about, you know, engagement and clicks and this, that, and the other. So today, let's just answer one question. Let's just take a look at, uh, and I I don't want to out you, so I'm not going to use your name or anything, but uh, I will create an example relative to the question you asked. And the question is this, what do I do if I discover that the romance novel I'm writing is actually uh, queer? And I didn't set out that way, but I've discovered it about myself and I've discovered it in my work. Or I've discovered it about myself through my work. First of all, let's just take a hot second and congratulate you for coming to the truth of your identity. That's wonderful. I'm really happy for you. I'm proud of you. Good job. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And for so many people, um, for any number of reasons, they never get where you're at. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes it's tragic. Sometimes it's just what you have to do for a while. But I'm so happy and so proud of you for reaching that moment. Good for you. You deserve good things. Now, the writing side of things. From a writing as catharsis, writing as personal effort side, the important thing to know is that your writing, whatever you're writing, be it sci-fi, be it romance, be it this, be it that, your writing is going to always be teaching you something. It's always got that potential. It's always got that ability. And whether that idea is something like understanding something about yourself or whether that idea is something about sort of seeing how some pieces click together in the social jigsaw puzzle, writing should, as with any art, writing should have the potential to help teach you. And it's good that this did. I'm, I'm happy for you. That's fantastic. Now, you've got some sort of subordinate questions kind of packaged up in here, primarily the first one being, is it is it bad? Like, 
did I found out I was queer and then I'm writing a queer romance and and is, is that bad professionally? No, queer romance is an incredibly viable uh, not only um, dimension of queer fiction, but it's also just a very popular romance sort of uh, dimension. I hate to use the word twice, but I don't know what else to call it. It is not a fad. It's not uh, like a very small niche thing. It's incredibly popular. And in self-publishing terms, it can be incredibly successful. However, that said, don't think that it's the fast track to printing money because it is still a, you know, just like every other genre, just like every other piece of things, it can be at times incredibly saturated. Not to put too fine a point on it, but how many stories about cowboys or firefighters or um, paratroopers or any anything kind of rugged like that, how many stories do you think the, the world has in it right now? And that kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to make light of those things. I have clients who write those things and that, that's fine and they're great and they're good even though, you know, we're on instance 19 or something of, you know, two firefighters totally hooking up and there's some kind of slide down my pole reference. I, I get it. And the, the point is that no matter what, be it firefighters or paratroopers or ER doctors or whomever, there's plenty of room still for story, even if it feels like and sounds like everybody's telling the same kind of story. You can still find a way to individuate. You can still find a way to uh, stand out amid that. And I'd like to tell you how, because it has nothing to do with, you know, taking something fairly superficial like, oh, instead of two ER doctors, I'm going to make one uh, a television repair person or I'm going to make one a landscaper. That's a cosmetic decision. I understand that it, it, it affects and impacts some portion of the story. Like, it means you have to write different paragraphs and different sentences and different scenes where, you know, the TV repair guy is repairing a TV as opposed to the TV repair guy performing heart surgery. I get it. That makes sense. But at the same time, you can, at, at this stage in writing, you can swap out. He can be a million different things. Or I, I shouldn't gender your character. They can be uh, any number of things, right? They can be... You know, this job, that profession, this role, this class, this thing, this thing, that thing. No problem. No worries. That's not how you're going to get your characters to stand out unless you, you know, really luck out and find some very obscure occupation or title or task and can frame that as a lens or a wrapper for your story. But that's not how you're going to stand out. How you're going to stand out generally in queer romance is how well you individuate the characters and make them not only relatable to the reader, no matter who or what the reader is or who or what the character is, make it relatable and make it deep. The other part of this, and, and that's just coming down to writing and understanding the character, writing and understanding what their existential question is, writing and understanding what their existential challenges are, developing their moral code, developing their fears, their wants, their goals, and really coming to build them is more than just, I'm a person who takes off their shirt and then the sexy things happen. You want to create that depth on an emotional level because it is that in that emotional space and in that psychological space that a reader, wherever they are, whoever they are, doing whatever they are, the reader can connect on that. Yes, a lot of romance readers come to romance thinking it's sort of like erotica junior 
and and everybody's interested in some abs or some stubble or some hips or some this parts or that parts or whatever's and th- there is some dimension of that there is some you know there is some point to that and there is some value in that however you don't only want to identify your character by some physical trait because physical traits are physical traits they can be changed they can be malleable and ultimately it doesn't reveal any kind of depth to the character think about it this way when you when you think about your friend when you think about your family when you think about another human being do do you you know, knock them down to one single trait. Ah, the redhead. Ah, the one with the ear piercing. No, you probably engage with them and think about them in terms of a, of, of multi-dimensions. Lots of depth, lots of potential. Maybe some of it good, some of it bad, some of it annoying, some of it sweet, some of it with this or that. But you're never just, you know, assigning one physical trait, physical external trait to them. And then, you know, going from there in terms of your relationship with them. So when you create this depth, it's that depth that's going to allow you to stand out as well as making sure, and here's the tricky part, making sure that the queerness of the story, the, the fact that the characters are gay or the fact that they're in, an, in a relationship and, and it's not, you know, suddenly, you're not telling a dis, what's called a discovery story where it's all of a sudden, hey, I guess I'm gay. It's, it's more like I, character A and character B are in a relationship together already, and we're just going to deepen this relationship over the next 80 to 90,000 words. Because what you want to do in queer fiction is normalize things because it is entirely normal to be people who happen to be queer and have relationships. Like, they're people too. And I, I know... I know that seems like a really simple statement to make, and it's obvious in its complexity and obvious in its definition, but when it comes to publishing, you would be maybe not terribly surprised to discover that an awful lot of writers and an awful lot of publishers really struggle with not putting a spotlight to queerness in an order in an effort to tell a queer story like I have to I have to make sure the reader knows they're gay I'm I'm pretty sure um given some of the intimacy scenes I'm pretty sure you're going to get the gay right across or you're going to get the the nature of their their sexuality across pretty quickly in some scenes and my question to you is this because this is a decision you need to make how critical is it to you and this is your choice and no one else's. How critical is it to you that the first identifier in your fiction is queer? Not that it's a good love story between two people. Not that it is a deeply passionate romance novel. Not that it is the story of this person and that person. Or it's got a theme of this because you, the writer, have something to say about it. How important is it that the big thing that people walk away with before they even dive any deeper is, Oh my God, this thing is queer. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's totally fine. However, understand that for a lot of readership and a lot of publishership, this label and the slightest degree of attention you call to it is suddenly going to dominate the rest of the discussion. Because while we in the creative space want representation and normalization to be as straightforward and direct 
and common and just a thing that is in the same way that there are birds and blades of grass, publishing-wise still finds a need to put a big blinking neon sign on things and make it sound like they're doing some marginalized community a favor by making sure that you of the community know that this publisher is putting out work for that community. It's disgusting. It is passively exploitative. But I need you to know that because this is what you're going to run into if you go down the traditional route. It's also what you're going to go into with the self-publishing route when it comes to marketing because a lot of people are going to see that and go, well, okay, so it's a queer novel. And no matter what else, it's a queer novel. And what are they writing? It's a queer novel. And it's a queer novel. It's a queer novel about characters. It's a queer novel about fill in the blank. Part of that is a lack of representation outside of you. Like, it's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. You're not bad or wrong. It's just that we collectively, as both um, a queer community, a straight community, a, a cis community, a trans community, a, a community of races, a community of peoples and identities, we have failed to make normalization standard, and we continue to make normalization like... A, a, a production. I don't know what else to call it. Like a ta-da, we're doing representation. And, and that's our, that's everybody's fault. We're all guilty of that. We, you know, you, you can't just blame the straights and you can't just blame the old white dudes on this one. Unfortunately, it's, it's just, we all suck at this because there's still some level all across the board everywhere. There's still some level of discomfort and it's up to you to determine what labels you you are willing to attach to your work and what labels you understand will be attached to your work by other people. And those labels might be everything from good, bad, poorly written, needs an editor, um, has too much sex, has not enough sex, is too like generic, doesn't have any of this, doesn't have whatever. They're going to label it, you know, 25 ways from Sunday. And it just comes down to you understanding that and knowing that you're you're in this arena now. And I'm, I'm happy that you're here. And there's plenty of room for you here. And yeah, you can totally roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty with the, the politicking and the gossiping and the social structure and the politicking and all that if you want. But I'm going to alert you that particularly in this community of writers, uh, it can be very like middle school lunchroom. And that may have an effect on how you talk about your book, if you talk about your book, if you shape your story, how you shape your story, and what you do with it overall. However, that all said, it's a great space and a great time for you to be here and produce your work. Just make sure, no matter what, you humanize your characters. You don't let... Any one single label identify you, your work, the characters, or the story, and that you do your best in every scene not to make a big production out of all the things, but instead to make the best story you can, as best you can, as frequently as you can. Because, you know, some chapters and pages and scenes and sentences are going to be better than others, and that's, that's fine. Like, no one's expecting a thousand million percent perfect every single time. That would be both exhausting to produce and also exhausting for the reader to kind of connect with. So instead, just aim to do your best all the time. Good luck with your book. I'm so happy that you found who you are and that you're comfortable. And I need you to know that you're a good person. Thank you so much for your question. I appreciate your persistence. 
everybody. I'll talk to you tomorrow.